So Simon just revealed he's got a super fat dog. Hey, whoa. Yeah. Ha. She's on a weight mm, loss yeah. journey. It's okay. <laughs> we'll get the weight down. It's fine. She's you so needed cute. a doctor to tell you that? No, uh, we had our doctor. We had our inklings, and then when I said, hey, is my dog fat? He said, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, she sure. He didn't even weigh her? No, like, yeah, well, that dog oh, dude, that would be devastating. <laughs> Obviously, that if, dog's too fat. Yeah, if you brought your dog into the vet and you're like, hey, here's... If you have to ask, what's your, your dog's, dog's name? Fat, yeah, no, no, I kind of knew. It's all right. What's your dog's Murphy. name? Murphy. Murphy, she's a beauty. Like, oh, Murphy's here, vet, and he's, oh, well, too fat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Way too fat. You're like, oh, he's here because yeah. he's not, he's <laughs> for a different reason. Getting, but also the fat. Yeah, but also yeah. that. It's, we'll figure it out. It's okay. You seem All like a guy who has a fat dog. She gets treats. She gets some treats. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. That down, That's like a table scrap situation. Okay, so no. It somehow isn't. Oh, really? It somehow, yeah. which maybe Tell might be truth. worse. That it's Tell just, the truth. What no. are you doing? That's kind of animal abuse, actually. You know, when I think about it. <laughs> She's on a raw food diet. Animal She's on a raw food diet. We might have got the, the measurements wrong, I guess. <laughs> oh, you guess. <laughs> oh, you guess. Oh, now she's going to get Turns the normal out. amount of food, and oh, you're like, yeah. oh, this is horrible. Oh, yeah. She's going to hate it. I know as somebody who eats way too much and yeah. then I have like the normal amount of food. I'm like, I'm starving <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I hate this. It's like an appetizer. I know, I know. It, we'll figure it out. Guys, we'll figure it out. We're mm. in it together. Yeah. She'll be fine. It's yeah. okay. I don't know. Doesn't sound good. <laughs> Doesn't sound good. Do they send somebody to like check up on that situation? No. The thing, <laughs> like a wellness? Yeah. Yeah. A caseworker? Yeah. Do you get a caseworker when you show up with a dog like that? No, but the, so my dog's like 90 pounds. She's a big dog. And the vet was like, yeah, okay. So just like weigh her every couple weeks. And I was thinking like, what kind of scale? Like, I don't have a scale that fits yeah. a 90 pound dog. Yeah, on. I don't true. have like an industrial scale. Dude, that's honestly, that's <laughs> the, one of the funniest things of all time is that show The Biggest Loser. Oh, yeah. And The Doctor. The guy who's just ruthless. Have you never seen any clips of no. him? No. Buddy, he he's just he calls it like he sees it. As and, you should. Oh man. It's but it's I, I'm telling you, out of all the reality TV shows that have ever existed, and I mm-hmm. like some of them, you know, like I'll get hooked on some of those every once in a while. When I was when I was roommates with Hayes. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah. we used to just chuck on A and E, sure, and just crush. We would just A&E. go through like, oh yeah, it would be daytime A and E, Billy the Exterminator. A and E used to things. be like biography on A and E, arts no. and entertainment. No, no. both A and TLC have just gone. The Doctor from Biggest Loser is the goat character from okay. all reality television, in my opinion. I don't watch the stuff like the dating ones, mm. but out of Love Is Blind, it's back, right? Oh sure, come on, you guys. I watched a couple episodes of Love is Blind with an Electric, ex, and it was so infuriating yeah. that I would just get, I, I would get like little tremors. No, I'm with you. There's stuff that my wife watches that I'm like, ah, it's kind of funny or yeah, interesting. Yeah. Like that is the type of stuff. It's like the cringe level yeah. is so high. I literally can't even sit That's in it. the same room and watch and, it. Okay. So I get reality TV and sports, you know, they're both just silly ways of entertainment, right? Sports mm-hmm. are that. And this is what I mean, we get in sports. Is, and we, Very and, silly, according and, to Anthony Rendon. It's well, so dude, silly. Yeah, so silly. Oh, dude, no, it's actually not silly to Anthony Rendon. It's kind of it's infuriating. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I don't even think it's worth it all. But I get it because I love the soap opera stuff with sports, mm-hmm. right? Who didn't? Uh, the LeBron thing to me was the most fascinating subplot of all of All-Star Weekend is, ooh, is he going to retire? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's, it's basically... It's a soap opera. Mm-hmm. It's a, what were those, telenovas? Telenovela. That's it. It's like, LeBron, 
retire? It's like maybe LeBron Warriors. That's that's the life we live. But there's some of those where that and the Love Is Blind one gets me because they're just such phonies, so desperate to be seen and just want think that they can be famous in some way. And just the the manufactured drama of it, all, I just I can't. It's it, really it just, good. Yeah, it just, too self aware. That's what it's just. It's it's. Ugh, I hate it. I hate it so much. It it, it grinds my gears, buddy. It grinds my it. gears. Yeah, I know. You like all. Mm. Simon's here's the thing. He's got a fat dog. Yeah. <laughs> Two <laughs> things you need to know about me. Simon's got a fat dog, and his wife has all the power in the relationship. <laughs> and so he and just, he just plays it up like meekly, I like this, dude. He meekly grovels, always being like, "I'm just as much of a fan." I'm pretty sure you got your wife by. Like holding her popcorn during her shows, and, and you were there long enough that she was just like, "Sure, yeah, I'll keep yeah. you. I'll keep you around. What am I going to use now? Yeah. A table? Yeah, no, 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 like no. more wine, mate." <laughs> then eventually she went, "All right, this guy, I guess, has been through like thirty-five reality TV marathons. I guess I'll make out with you." <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, sports. Uh, mm. Time for our telenovas. Okay, uh, Ben and I are going to do. Uh, Preseason narratives we're buying and selling. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be interesting to see how this goes because he was we doing that now. Well, we talked about it on the phone yesterday, mm-hmm. and we were trying to figure out exactly how we were going to do this because we wanted to try and come up with some way to package this. And it seemed like we kind of got on the same page, but I feel like we're also going to screw this up. Oh, 100% yeah. the screw up situation. Yeah. So you want to do Jays now? Because I, I, we could save. I. I Listen, I've done Mike Trout as the world's biggest loser a billion mm-hmm. times, and everybody yeah. that knows my career at this point is well aware of my thoughts on Mike Trout, and mm-hmm. he just he keeps giving me wins. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, he's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, that's well-trod territory. I will say the Anthony Rendon stuff, um, it's yeah. not entirely new, but this, like, specificity is, is pretty <sighs> so new, and I love okay. it. I love you're, the you're Rendon stuff. Okay, so then let's just do this before Jace. Let's let, let, let you get it off your chest. because <laughs> I already did to, it for 15 minutes oh, did on you? my show, okay, but yeah, because I'll do it again. To, to me, it's like the Rendon thing only ties into the Trout thing. That's what all that makes it interesting is and Rendon. <laughs> so Mike Trout right now said that he's pushing his owners to spend money on the top free agents that are remaining. And if you're those owners... This is the worst time ever that you would be thinking about spending more money right. on baseball free agents. All these, I mean, it's it's twofold. It's like, yeah, it's Scott Boris, but it's also these free agents stank. You think so? Uh, I think there's mm. a very high degree of likelihood that if you sign uh, one of these guys, you're going to be very disappointed with the result. That's, and that's very, fair, uh, very quickly, like Blake Snell and his like no innings or Matt Chapman and his no bat or Cody Bellinger and his one year of, of hitting duck snorts, reviving his career that, yeah, paying those guys $30 million even this year might not look so good. Okay. So, but it's, it's also like Scott Boris, this is how it goes. And yeah. I think those guys will get their money. So if you haven't seen the stories, Mike Trout, He's saying, I'm pushing, I'm doing everything I can, and it's taking the easy way out if I ask for a trade. And apparently, he didn't even have to ask for a trade because, what, they've they've gone to him? That was the report, so nothing's been confirmed, but that's yeah. that's what makes this different, right? Yeah. It's like, the and my initial thought was like, oh, well, you can't be mad at James Harden and 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 also mad at, at Mike yes, Trout. But, okay, to the point of you can is Mm -hmm. because this is not a situation where it's like, oh, my God, after a decade and a half of losses with this Angels organization, you have to ask out. It's Mm -hmm. like clearly the Angels' best 
path forward is a resetting of whatever they have here because what they've tried to do hasn't worked and you can certainly fault the manner in which they've gone about trying to win but you can't you can't fault the intent they they did spend mm-hmm. they tried to win they just sure. suck at it yeah, they, they are so bad they yeah, really suck at it the report especially was, now where all the teams make the playoffs and they still can't do it it's not like, even close like yeah. not even I know. close i know baseball basically ruined the entire regular season just so that everybody could have a chance every Everybody could have uh, basically their participation award and the angels, they were like, okay guys, you're in. Right. And they went, <sighs> yeah, no, this isn't like oh, an Ernie no. Banks never played in a postseason game situation. We're going to look back on this era of angels baseball. Right. Yeah. And like rarely will the teams that didn't win the world series or in the playoffs get talked about, but no, that generate, they had two of, I mean, when it's all said and done, the top 10 players in the history of the sport and Joey Otani and Mike Trout at the same time and never came anywhere close to making the playoffs. But it's not a situation of, hey, team that drafted me took a chance on me in the first round because it was taking a chance on Mike Trout. I mean, just look at where he was drafted in the first round, took a chance on me and then signed me to this ginormous contract and gave me everything I wanted. Get me the hell out of here. That's different than them. And according to reports, they are either did this or thought about doing this or through an intermediary have done this, came to him and said, hey, man, we tried with you and you're a franchise icon and one day we're going to build a statue of you and your jersey's going to be raised to the rafters here at the big A. They're going to be like, and we're going to build a statue of that moment you had, you know. Um, the, one home run he hit in the postseason. <laughs> yeah, which... the, the time where you were yeah. good. Oh, the home run he had in the – that, that honestly – yeah. Mike Trout's home run in the postseason is basically highlights of Bill Russell. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's, no, you got to dig it up. Yeah. It's, it's like Wilt's eighty-one yeah. point, or hundred point games. Yeah. They don't have video. Of no, it. it's just they him holding video. up a yeah, paper. Exactly. Says, one. It's my, one home run. <laughs> mm, that happened. But anyways, it's not coming to them and saying, "Get me the hell out of here." It's yeah. them saying, "Hey, man, we sure. wish it worked out, and and maybe there is a way." But it, I think the most obvious way is for us to try and recoup some assets. By trading you away, would you waive your no trade clause? And the indication we got, and I guess are getting, and he didn't close the door off entirely from accepting a trade, is that he said, nah, thanks, but no thanks. I'd rather be with the loser franchise continuing to lose because it's comfortable here. Yeah. I hate it. I, I do. I, you said I can't be mad at James Harden and mad I said, at Mike Trout. I no, know, but yeah, I for asking that. for a trade. But the thing is, is the guys like James Harden and the dudes who have asked for a billion trades, no. Roy Halladay, no one faulted here. He ran it out for a million years. Mm-hmm. He was the best at what he did. Mm-hmm. And eventually he said, guys, I got to... I got to try to spread my wings and fly somewhere where I have a shot at well, winning baseball games. The Blue Jays traded him because they were going to lose him in free agency. He's yeah. like, that's fine. Like, yeah. I'll just go yeah. as a free agent, but, but I'm not exactly. coming back here. But my, so you're right. There's a bit of a mitigating circumstance that he gave them the heads up, which is what most fan bases just really want. It's why Islanders fans hate Tavares. Mm-hmm. It's why Raptors fans used to hate Chris Bosh before he became somehow just a completely irrelevant figure here. Um, they want the heads up. And Halliday gave them that. Mike Trout asking out when he does have the big contract, there is a certain degree of difference there. But I think if you're, I don't know, because I don't know any Angels fans, but I would have to imagine that if you are an Angels fan, part of you would go look at the situation and say, isn't it better if you trade Mike Trout? Like, don't you want to see, don't you love Mike Trout enough that you actually want to go see him win somewhere and then bring back a haul of assets? I don't think there's any debate about it. That's what I mean. And so this is just a bad situation from every single angle. It's just, I can't believe... I hated it when Mike Trout signed that extension. Mm-hmm. 
And now I especially hate it that Shohei left and he's looking at Anthony Rendon say every single day that he hates baseball and that he hates being there. He doesn't want to be around Mike Trout. He just wants to go home. He, he doesn't want to spend another day facing the media. And Mike Trout keeps going, don't worry. It's the easy way. It's Mike, no, the easy way out is actually what you're doing right now. Yes. The easy way out is what you're doing right now by just Playing staying with the angels. And no then, pressure. Exactly. No pressure, no playoffs. Pretending as though, dude, his quote was so sad. He mm. went, I still dream of a World Series, but also just playoffs. Is that, like That's his World Series now. He's lowered the bar mm. to just making the playoffs would be enough for Mike Meaningful Trout. Meaningful September baseball. Anyway, I, I really do think that all this stuff, in my opinion, I know I've always done a little bit of, every once in a while you kick up a take, just a little touch of a notch for mm. some effect and some fun. I really do think Mike Trout is one of the biggest losers in sports history in terms of like actual fire in the belly wants to win. I think he just like wants to watch the weather, collect his money, mm. play baseball. He enjoys it, but winning he's, I think he's a kind of an afraid of success guy. I mean, let's not forget also the world baseball classic came down to yeah. him against Shohei Otani. And, yeah. That's Swung and missed. the only moment that he had, and he couldn't come through. Yeah. Other than his fake home run in the playoffs that happened. Apparently. Yeah. I mean, this just feels like a perfect moment for divorce. Totally. And, and I, I wish I had more concrete evidence that the Angels came to him or went to his camp and said, hey, would you be – because he does control his destiny. He's a 10-7 and, and seven player. Dude, they have all and the outs, and, and the Angels would take every bullet for him. They would simply – if they I, had any guts, they would say – God, it would be so interesting to know what he would be worth in trade to because it's a big deal, and he's starting problem, to break I don't down. I think it's as much. It's, he's starting to break down, and, like, it's certainly more if, if the Angels eat part of that deal, but are they – does Artie Moreno seem like a guy with all the horrible money that he's spent recently? He's like, oh, yeah, no, I'll play uh, – Let's let's pay Mike Trout half of his freight to go win a World Series with the Yankees. That no, seems like that. that's fun times. But yeah, that's the problem is who are the teams that'll actually want him, and will pay a bunch of the money. I mean, wouldn't the Phillies just be such a fun situation? Yeah. Him going to his hometown, him and and Bryce Harper on the same team. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the the, the obvious. The thing is too is that it, what drives me especially crazy about it is he's clearly entering his post prime. Mm-hmm. And it's harder and harder for him to stay healthy. So eventually this is going to happen. Like eventually it's going to happen, but he's not going to have done it when he'll have the most impact. Yeah. So by this the time, might be the last year, like this is I mean. the sweet by, spot yeah, right here. By the time he goes, by the time he eventually ends up on the Phillies when he's 34, 33, mm-hmm. you know, a, a year or two later, it's going to have less meaning. And even if he does end up ring chasing, essentially, that's what it's really going to be rather than, hey, he joined. And at this point, the way the Dodgers are built, if he goes to any other team, I'm saying, no, that's that's clean. That's a clean World Series because the Dodgers have stacked the deck so heavily now mm-hmm. that I'm going. What if it's the Dodgers, though? Well, that would be quite interesting because <laughs> if you look at their outfield. Then I would really put you in a box because then you got like, oh, the Kevin Durant Can situation. I tell you something? I'm not even joking. Mm-hmm. I would rather he go to the Dodgers. Me too. Than play well, out his career in the here's Angels. Here's the reality of the situation yeah. is like the Mets outspent everybody by $100 million yeah. last year. The Dodgers have outspent everybody by like the same yeah. amount over the last. They yeah. won one fake World Series, right? Yeah. Like, there's not, oh, they got Shohei, who's a DH, full-time DH, yeah. right? Like, that's, and he's maybe the best hitter in baseball, yeah. but the idea that the Dodgers are guaranteed anything, they're probably guaranteed a playoff spot because, you know, Diamondbacks made it with 84 wins last year. Mm-hmm. So, like, that much, but, yeah, no, th- this is not a sport like basketball where even the Dodgers, as stacked as the deck looks for them, are guaranteed to win a World Series. I'd have no problem with Mike Trout on the Dodgers. Yeah, same. Um, 
If you really hate your job, should you just buy an Anthony Rendon jersey and show up in it and kind of make a statement? So funny. Like, man. does he not become your? Does he not become now the the totem, the guy? Yeah. He's he's the the Babe Ruth of hating your job. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's yeah, it's 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 like if you wore a, an Anthony Rendon jersey <laughs> to to like wear a jersey to work day or a casual <laughs> Friday. It's t- a joke jersey in an overall sense now, right? Like if you if you wear an Anthony Rendon jersey, if you had one in the past, I mean, I, I gotta think that the go hottest ticket one. in all of Angel Angels, Stadium is yeah. getting to sit by him mm-hmm. at third and just well, rip especially him. when you go back and watch the tape of that A's game where he like almost went after the fan. It's like you could be you could be a millionaire if yeah, Anthony Rendon you. comes after Although you. Although somebody hit somebody last year and it turned out to be a big old nothing. I don't remember this. Yeah. Somebody tried to get up in the stands at outfield. You don't remember that? Who was that? Anyway, I can't remember. Mm, I don't remember. Wow. Baseball's your one thing. You don't even know. The guy got in the stands. That feels like something (laughs) that would have been noteworthy that nobody can, can remember what you're talking. I think you're thinking of Anthony Rendon because that was at, that was at, at, at the Coliseum in Oakland and he was, yeah, uh, suspended, if not yeah, fined. Yeah, maybe it was him. Yeah, anyway, it was Anthony cool. Rendon. <laughs> was it him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 it would have been him, yeah. Yeah, it was Anthony yeah. Rendon early yeah. in the season. They're like, hey, you don't yeah, play yeah. and you're overpaid. And he's like, how yeah. dare you? How dare you? I I'm, also I'm don't hit. care. I'm going to hit you. <laughs> That's my yeah. true passion. Yeah. <laughs> Being yeah. miserable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, lots of people hate their jobs, okay? Yeah. It's not a normal job. A lot of people think their family is more important than their job. Yeah, I. So yeah. can I be of two minds here? Like, thank you, Anthony Rendon. Like, and never stop speaking your mind. Whoever thought that that's such an idiotic way of framing it, though, where it's hey, if, if the people who are defending him, like his family, he's Nobody's just saying defending. his family is more important. Well, but no, that Duh. that part, like everybody's family should. Yeah, be but that's in, that's what I mean. I, I can't imagine Anthony Rendon's like, yep, you know. Is it also true though that like maybe the best at their craft family is not. Number one important. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it helps when you don't have one. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't prioritize it. Like yeah. you, you took yeah, the easy. That's way out. right. <laughs> you're Anthony Rendon. No. Oh wait, you're no, Anthony I'm Rendon. You're, yeah. was, you're Mike Trout. Yeah, I'm a loser. Yeah. I'm staying where it's comfortable. Going. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah. I'll never win here, but you know, no. get my paycheck. Yeah, obviously those things should be important, but. I can also hate Anthony Rendon, and that's not a normal job. It's it's. Not. I don't hate Anthony Rendon. I, I would hate I him know so hate... much if he was a Blue Jay. Though. I'm if jealous. he was a Blue Jay, I would genuinely hate him because I think mm-hmm. who's the most hated Blue Jay you've ever hated? Boy, Rios. It's uh, funny because I, I, I actually loved Rios so much Alex that Rios. No. he was once my favorite Blue Jay, and then he became my I most hated. Man, this, I hated there, Rios. There, there should be an obvious answer here, but none, nothing is popping to mind because I'm such a, I, I hate to hate. So huh. I don't, <laughs> there's nobody that that pops. I hated every member of the 2021 bullpen, just every single mm. guy that got shot. Yeah, but out. that's like different than what we're talking about with Anthony Rendon. There's been lots of guys where I was like, oh yeah, Socrates Brito, you're the worst Blue no, Jay no, I've no. ever you, seen. You can't be irrelevant. You can't be irrelevant. You have to be a guy that matters. Oh, Jonathan VR. Is up there. Oh, I really did hate Jonathan VR, but and, he was kind of borderline of irrelevant too, though. They yeah, I know, but there was a thing yeah, about Jonathan VR and the well, work he ethic. He quit and on the team after they went and got him. Yeah. And just like, like in the moment, I didn't hate Omar's Vizquel, but everything since and everything that it came out about that team, you should have probably hated Omar Vizquel a little bit more uh, when he was a Blue Jay. 
I'm just saying, like, the guys where you, everybody's had them on your team where you go, man, I hate this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely hate this guy. Mm-hmm. And VR for sure. Like, by the end of the VR experience, I hated his guts. Like, even when they'd show him in the dugout, I was mm-hmm. like, this idiot. <laughs> I was yeah. so mad. I, get <laughs> <laughs> I would get real heated. I, I did hate. Alex Rios by the end. I was very much a Rios hater. You're batting average. Yeah, yeah. That video at the time, that got me. Oh, I went, how could you not who gives a, yeah. do that for the kids? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got triggered. I, I There's nothing that pisses me off more than guys who big time little kids at baseball games. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it when it's the autograph seeker stuff because they have that world where, and you've seen it, I've seen oh it, the God. dudes who wait Sickening. outside the Rogers Center and, like all night long by the hot dog vendors and just, oh, Kevin, Kevin Kiermaier, mm-hmm. oh, get your side. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh, oh. No. That's actually the darkest timeline for your kid. Yeah. They always say, like, keep, you know, your kid off the pole. But reality is just like uh, if your kid becomes seeker. an autograph seeker, an adult mm-hmm. autograph seeker, I think that's the lowest form that you could possibly have. You're not wrong. I hope there's one listening right now that's like, <gasps> Uh, well, uh, yeah, and it has like oh, a change of heart. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I come to Jesus yeah, moment. No, yeah. but to the Alex Rios point, there is there's an Anthony Rendon tie-in because a lot of the Alex Rios thing was like a guy with all the physical ability, mm-hmm. and if he just cared a little bit more, just had a little bit more of that attitude that makes some of the greats all-time greats. Boy, what would you have been? And it's incredible that Anthony Rendon has earned. Already mm-hmm. almost $200 million in his career and still has $100 million more to come mm-hmm. and had some amazing seasons and won a World Series, like, not liking baseball that much. Unreal. I, and that's the part that I hate because that's not fair. And life's yeah. not fair. Yeah. I get that. But yeah. it doesn't mean I can't get upset at <laughs> it. Like, that sucks. I like Because him. how – what would you do to spend a year being a professional athlete in, in any sport, right? Like, yeah, to have no self-awareness of that is pretty deplorable. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, he worked his ass off to get there. I guess, yeah. yeah he dude. must have. He I know, but, like, yeah. obviously there's a part of World him. Series. He, was his, he was the man. Yeah, but there's obviously a part of him that, like, doesn't want to work as much as some other guys. Like, there are guys, there's, there's, there's professional athletes that have risen to great heights on, yeah, like, obviously more hard work at their craft than you do playing like, you know, pick up hoops or, or playing softball, but not to the degree at no, some but, of the elite uh, players but, in their sport, but uh, just because of their innate physical ability yeah. have been able to do it. Like I That's think the Shaq thing is like Shaq could have been the greatest if he cared like yes. Kobe, but I don't, but I think people who hold that against Shaq, it's kind of dumb. Uh, I love Shaq and I love his personality. It's just, but he also appreciates who he was. Yes. And there's a lot of, he's, he's got that self-awareness. I think that the difference with Rendon that's frustrating is, well, one, I don't know if you can have so much God-given gifts for baseball. Like I know Mookie Betts has the famous eye test thing. Yeah. So well, there's, there's some things, there's, there's physical characteristics you can have to be a great athlete. Back to ball skills, high and eye coordination, things that are innate. But I think in order to be a great baseball player, yeah, you player, just have that, to do it a lot. Yeah, you got to do it over and over. That's so many hours in the cage. It's so many hours. Think about how miserable. I understand why he's so miserable. Yeah, he was doing it so much, and he hated but every you can, swing. You can he ever once took. love something and then hate it down the line. But have you followed okay. the Chelsea Janes? timeline because she covered him when he was with washington she's like yeah, this has always been oh, his okay. deal so maybe he just hates media too and he's just that he thinks that everybody's an idiot and he doesn't like talking to anybody i gotta tell you too i'm afraid this is one of my biggest fears in all of sports because I, I think that there's more anthony rendones that aren't 
as Anthony Rendonish. Of course. And that, and I've been making this point for a very, very long time, but to me, the, you know, I was at a, at, at the Super Bowl party I was at, there was a guy talking about how his kid. Is, yeah, the in, professionalization of yeah, amateur sports. His kid is like nine years old and he pays 25 grand a year for that's, hockey. That's too much. Yeah. And I'm going, uh, pardon me? Yeah. And I, I really do feel like the pressure of that, the professionalization of sports and, and the way that it's happening with youth sports is changing the way that we're seeing professionals now. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a pro by the time you're this age and you've got your own, st- like, you know, you've got your own stall, your nameplates, all these different things, you're being treated like a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. You've got a schedule that you have to kind of work for. Yeah. Like, okay. So even for me, when I was a kid, I hated waking up for practices. Like I just hated it. My mom had to drag me to hockey so many times where she would be like, you got to go to hockey. And I'd be like, Oh, maybe I'm just sick today because I just wanted to sleep in the morning. And guess what? That's like, I wasn't going to be great at this because I didn't have the passion for it. Mm-hmm. And other kids eventually ended up being better because they were way more passionate. They were taking it more seriously and they had the care quotient. Mm-hmm. And I think that the care quotient is being diminished in sports because it's just like there's, there's parents that will just keep paying and keep pushing their kids and keep forcing yeah, them to do it. Yeah, but that can only take you so far. No, it can. But I'm just saying, dude, I, like, I, I don't think that it's a purely coincidental thing that we're seeing. Sure. This it'll, generation it'll allow, of athlete yeah, care less. You know, it'll, what it'll do. Money is a big part. Yep. And what it, it'll do is if you do have the elite skill and yeah. you don't have the passion, you will you, you, yeah, you, you can, can make it. You can get it. there. Yeah, yeah like more there. Anthony Rendones will arrive. Like. It, it, yeah, it, it used to be that the story was, oh, that guy was incredible and he would have made it if he cared at all. And now it's like, oh, no, they're all there. <laughs> they made it. Yeah, <laughs> and you're right. To, to, you, pay to, him, you pay him actually a lot of money. Yeah, I'm sure there were more than a few professional athletes, not just Major League Baseball players who were nodding their head in agreement. I mean, we mm-hmm. the, we remember the Adam Dunn thing from, from yeah, J.P. Richardi. They're also, baseball players have always notoriously been the most... Uh, what's the word here? Whiny? I don't know. What? Uh, I, I what think they, they have the toughest reputation in terms of attitude towards the media with a lot of them. There's always like the Justin Turner types that are mm-hmm. great. And there, there are those guys and we've had them here. Yeah. Uh, Ross, uh, what was our guy that used to come Ross on? Ross Stripling? Stripling, chicken strip used to come on with us all the time Yeah, and be great and love media. There's guys that enjoy it, but I think that baseball has reputationally always had far more guys who don't suffer. Maybe that's the nature of yeah, an everyday scene. That's what I mean. It's 162 days, and you're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you lost tonight. He's like, yeah, we play tomorrow. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you? And also, a lot of the questions are bad. So to be fair, Mm. if you got asked. Talk about when if someone oh, ever started yeah. that to me, I would. I was, yeah, and especially again when what you were, were you talking seeing about out there, you're like, like, oh, I hated it all. Yeah. Like I wish I was somewhere else. Yeah, every day of my life. Walk us through that play. Ew. <laughs> oh, I did, man. I as a young reporter here, I have a, I have one of those stories from Richie Sexton. I remember. Going, I, I think it Richie was, Sexton. Was he, I think it was with the Yankees at the time. I, I'm like, telling you right now, I'm already so excited for this. I'm like, please say good things about Rich. And I was like, I was just a young kid. And I was yeah. like, so what happened in that at bat? And it's like, he threw a slider that went like this. And he like did with his hands, like he's making fun. And then oh, a fastball that so went funny. like this. That's so funny. That's so funny. Oh, that's like, so good. I almost swore. You. Thank, thank you, yeah. sir. And they this. Like, the loop. That's so he's good. twice as tall yeah. as me. Yeah, I know. And he's just big guy and physically imposing. You probably walked out of there like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Forget it. Your dad picked you up and he's like, what's wrong, man? You're like, don't talk about it. You stared out the window. Put your headphones on. Listen to My Chemical Romance. That's good. That's fun. All right. We prepared to do some uh, buy and sell 
preseason narratives that we're going to have. Uh, so we'll take a quick break and we'll do those Jays narratives next. So yeah, this was kind of, I don't want to say poorly. We did our best to try to workshop this segment. I mean, we did it at... I think you were trying to buy time. I was hoping to get an... an oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Last night, so I talked to you, what was it? It was definitely after 9 o'clock last night, and yeah. I'm working on Dude, you know, my own show. Dude, I was a real worker yesterday. I was 9 to 5 here on wow. family day. Good for you. Yeah. I didn't get, I waited ago. all day to see my bosses with yeah. one thank you text. Didn't happen. Nope. I mean, there's a lot of texts going around because every, yeah. I think, it, well, I was working. Yeah. So were you. And Brian was working. There's yeah. lots of people working. But no one worked more than me. Nine to five. <laughs> what about the people who had like normal jobs that didn't get the day off? You mean no. in this building? Yeah. I'm sure there were security guards that had to work. Yeah. What I about time and a half? I ain't got time and a half. You got a loo day. Who? You, it's a vacation Which, day. Which, by the way, whenever you're like, don't have a loo day, they're like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, in it's Lou. Yeah. It's around. You yeah. Go check out. Yeah. Go ask Lou. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think he used it. Oh, that's <laughs> oh yeah, no. okay. Yeah, Anyways, yeah, you called me after nine o'clock. I have to wake up at four in the morning, and like I'm working it wasn't on two that shows. Late. It was like eight forty something. No, it wasn't because I was like, I said, I wanted... call me, and so you called me actually. Yeah, and I was like. I, I I was gonna text. All right, enough of this. Let's just get to the segment. Like it's. Just, but you did it. You derailed it. Anyways. Yeah. yeah I was just gonna say succinctly. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to put it together, but we didn't quite come no. to a coalescing of no, exactly what this is. No, but we'll try. Um. Okay. So here's. I'll start. Here's what I'm buying. <laughs> okay. New best friend of Bobachet, Justin Turner, brings a World Series swagger and the missing leadership that will finally get the Jays to stop running into okay. outs and making brain dead at bats. Okay, so this is different than what we talked about because this is like write a headline. This is the that, other that, way. That's one I wrote. <laughs> I have different ones. I have different variations. This is the other thing are you that we could that, have done. Are you buying this narrative? Of are you buying that Because I also have Justin Turner is exactly the type of, type of playoff-tested <laughs> leader this Jays team needs. Okay? Dude, there's... Hey, here's a little sneaky advice to every single one of the beat writers. If you're ever having a day where you're like, ah, I don't really have something, you just go to Justin Turner and be like, so what does a World Series yeah. team need to do and then just get the course? But, but don't you think the Boba part is eventually we're going to get the story? Well, he of called how, him out by name. He was like, yeah. I want that, that guy, guy in yeah. particular. So again, because I'm not familiar, I'm not exactly sure what we're doing here. We're doing Are we talking about reality or like a narrative that will grow during spring training? Yeah, we're buying that this narrative will grow during spring training. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt. Yeah. That's like, it's already happened. Yeah. They already got the quotes from Justin Turner. They... They talked about him being on Blair and Barker, Boba Shett, and and mentioning Justin Turner by name. And he, yeah, you should consume some of the the media that, that comes out of sports sometimes. Yeah, uh, especially stuff written by people that work in this building yeah. uh, or down Dunedin at SportsCenter.ca. Anyways, yep. So yeah, he's talked about this specifically. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, of course, a, a team that once again made the most outs on the base pass in Major League Baseball a season ago again. Just can't figure it out. Again, mm-hmm. we're looking for leadership stuff, and okay, I mm-hmm. guess Justin Turner does have it, and has a pretty pretty pristine postseason resume. Has played in some pretty big moments and mm-hmm. risen to the occasion more than a couple of times. But yeah, I don't, he can't step to the plate when it's Vlad's turn. Like mm-hmm. he he can only he's one of nine. He's only up there. So I, I I agree. It's going to be. I'm buying the narrative because mm-hmm. I told you it's already being built. I don't. I'm selling the reality of that. I like that. See that actually, that's good. Oh, that's okay. what we should do. That- Is it a double buy or a buy sell or a double sell? Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's. See, I like when we. Yeah, we figure it out all. Yeah, the yeah, fly. that's good. That's good. Okay, so it's a buy sell on the Justin Turner mm-hmm. veteran presence narrative. Okay, so okay, it's my turn. Your turn. Yeah. 
here's what I'm buying. Yeah. Narrative. And then we'll talk about yeah, the yeah, reality yeah, yeah, yeah. after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? We're getting it. <laughs> I'm buying the narrative. David Schneider is more than a flash in the pan. Mm. That David Schneider had an incredible 30-game sample and an incredible AAA season, but while you may view him as, you know, just a guy that had an incredible moment and that we'll all remember that moment, that this guy is a legit major leaguer, that being a narrative. As we uh, go forward in spring training, we see the first game on Saturday. I'm buying that as being a very strong narrative. I'm selling both. Yeah, you're an idiot. That's why. So here's why. I was. I have also one of these that's kind of related. I'll do it next mm-hmm. because one of mine is I'm buying this narrative. I know every smart baseball person has told you that every spring training that all jobs are decided before spring. But trust me, this Blue Jays training camp, jobs will be decided in spring. Yeah, selling that. Espinal, Escobar, Vogelbach, Schneider. Um, I think what's his, uh, Ernie Clement. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Kevin Biggio. There's a lot of guys that are in and around the mix of this baseball team right now. And including Aurelvis Martinez, who I don't think will make the team at all. And he won't actually be a factor, but he is playing second base. That's mm-hmm. the position that they're kind of working him in at. To me, the story of this spring when it comes to the Davis Schneider part of this is that he's a part of the pact. So it, you, your, your position is that he's going to emerge as like the everyday second baseman and that he's supposed to be a, like a, not a star, but that the narrative here is, hey, everybody, yeah. he, he's, the, he's the guy out of this group. He's, he's not one of the names in this group. Well, he's at least going to make this team out of camp. Like, I don't, yeah, like I think him so being too. involved know, in the discussion of too. like, yeah, him and the, the him and four other guys battling for one spot at the the back end of this roster. There's what a message it would be sending to everybody that what happened in 30 games doesn't matter at all for uh-huh. this guy. No, he. I think that's a massive story. If he doesn't make this team, I yeah. think he will make this team. Yeah. Okay. I think so. That's what I'm saying. I'm buying that he makes the team, mm-hmm. but I'm selling the idea that the storyline emerges that he is just the the bona fide, just about everyday second. I think he's just a part of the platoon. I think he's going to play. I don't think he's just a platoon guy. Okay. Like, I don't think he's just starting against lefties. Okay. Like, I think he's, you're going to see him definitely in left field against lefties. It seems like we all now are of the understanding that Dalton Varsho ain't a guy that you can just hand 600 plate appearances to. And maybe he's better mm-hmm. than he was a season ago. And it's, he had some weird splits, home road, get it. Uh, and his defense obviously plays, but. David Schneider was told in the offseason to work on two positions, left field and second base. Mm-hmm. He will definitely be playing against lefties. Um, and depending on how much third base Justin Turner plays, he can he can get some DH days as well. Mm-hmm. I th- I think you 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 see him five times a week, either at second base, DH, or left field. By this narrative. Wait, did I get to did did I say whether I'm buying? Because I said no, I'm buying I, I the said narrative. So, so. Yeah, what, what I'm buying. Saying? I'm yeah. buying buy. Yeah, because I believe. Buy. Yeah, David Schneider at the the very least is a guy that can work account, get on base, yeah. and you know hit one out on occasion. I'm going to the next thing. Um, people forget that in 2022, Alejandro Kirk yeah. was an MLB All Star who OPS nearly 800 and was considered to be potentially uh-huh. a generational bat. Yeah. Okay, are you going to tell no, me? No, you what go the, first. You okay, so, so you're, buy, you, you're laying I'm buying out. that that's a narrative that will happen. Okay. When I say the thing, God, this is getting worse I, and worse. No. This is devolving. <laughs> okay, so that is a your default out of the gate buying, buying the narrative. That, if I say it, I'm buying that <laughs> okay, this will I be have a some, narrative. I have some that I'm selling. Yeah. Okay. okay. But, so I can't do that. No, 
do this. <laughs> I I went first. That's why it's a draft. Okay. okay so, Wait, it's a draft? Yeah, because we're taking turns. Who goes first? We ducked that part out. We were like, it's your turn, my turn. Anyway, no, we're just making this way too confusing. If I say the headline, <laughs> okay. I'm buying that it's a narrative, and then yeah. we're deciding on whether you buy that narrative well, too, or and whether they're selling know. the reality. There's not going to be a narrative that we're not going to buy, because the, the spring training is a month yes. and a half long. Every hey, narrative will be then picked you Well, I already sold your narrative on David Schneider, so wrong. You don't think anyone's going to say, hey, David Schneider's good this spring training no, over think, a month and a half? No, I think that it's not going to be a major storyline at camp. I don't mm. I don't think David Schneider Disagree. is going to emerge as one of the top ones. No. Disagree. Yeah. All these stories. That's are what I'm saying. You over. get the credit now if he does. Okay. Uh, we'll take it. I also get yeah. the credit for Alejandro Kirk being good because I was first man on Kirk Island or the Alejandros. Which I you were abandoned. there arm in arm. You came no, like I you were. Out. You weren't the the first. Yeah. I was the president, yeah. but you were like vice president. Sure. And then you 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 decided that you were like a Democrat. You became a Republican. Like you're on the other side of the aisle now, man. Mm. Like you just you abandoned us yeah. entirely. And I'm staying here steadfast. Here's the way I was going to pose it: is that Alejandro no. Kirk <laughs> needs a normal spring training after having a kid and the World Baseball Classic stuff. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's... So you're buying the narrative. I'm buying the narrative and a bit of the reality. Because okay. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy where you're like ecstatic that Alejandro Kirk is your everyday DH yeah. and you've got to get him in the lineup every day. Mm-hmm. I think he's an above average hitter. And same with the David Schneider yeah, stuff. Like I think there's, there's, there's real skills there mm-hmm. that haven't diminished. What has diminished was the extra base power, which is a little bit... Not so great, mm-hmm. and and yeah, it diminished with a lot of people last year. And I think there are there that's a real legitimate reason. He had a weird spring, if you'll yep. recall, right? Yep. Like had the kid, didn't get to go to the World Baseball Classic like he wanted to. It was just it, it was not a, a lot of focus on defense. Yeah, it was uh, it was just a weird year for mm-hmm. Alejandro Kirk, and I think he can perform better than he did a season ago. But I, I don't think. We're going to view him like Joe Maurer-like, no. right? No. And this there season? was a moment There was a moment in 2022 where we thought maybe. Yeah. There was a moment in 2022 This guy can thought, hit cleanup yeah, for yeah, yeah. a really good team in the American League. 100%. Anyways, I'm buying the narrative. I'm also actually buying that he is a bounce-back candidate for, at the plate. Mm-hmm. I, I just think, like, if you look at... And, and last year, he wasn't abhorrent, especially if you mm-hmm. consider... It's unfair, though, with him because you go, well, if he's a catcher and he's OPSing 700, that's great. Mm-hmm. But if he's a DH, it's horrible. And so I, I do think that it's a little... Uh, people kind of pick and choose where they try to place Alejandro Kirk in terms of how good he is. But, no, I, I just think that based on his career, the fact that, yeah, he's been a overall 753 OPS guy that he's going to be a bat normalizes and he's just, he's going to hit for a little bit more power, a few more extra bases and that his season is just going to be better than last year. He's, if I was going to buy positive regression candidates for the blue Jays, Vlad was so low that I have to buy him, but Kirk is actually the other guy that I'm buying is a, is a uptick bat. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And it's I mean, maybe you could throw George Springer in there, but the age thing but makes that's the thing. It a I'm not as curious. confident. I'm not as confident that George Springer will bounce back as those other guys. Better than he was a season ago, but the idea of, of George Springer being that guy that in that weirdo twenty twenty season yeah. was this team's best bad in twenty twenty one an incredible weapon. I'm like, not saying he can't do it. Back. My point is simply that in terms of confidence rankings. I don't have Springer higher than Kirk in terms of bouncing back at age 34 when there was such a steep decline last year. I'm also concerned about the idea, like if you're doing it just from a war perspective, mm-hmm. George Springer played 154 games last year. Is he going to play that this season? I- I'm not sure. Anyways, what's your next one? Yeah. Interesting that like in uh, best shape of their life. Um, we haven't heard time. of that for those guys. Yeah. yeah. Where's the Alejandro Kirk? Picture? It's coming. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, mine is, so I'm buying mm-hmm. 
this narrative, the Blue Jays' rotation is better with Ricky Tiedemann in it. Oh, that's that, a good one. That that is going to be a narrative that emerges. That we're done, like, protecting prospects and thinking about uh, uh, asset management. Mm. That Ricky Tiedemann throws 100 from the left side. He reached tw- a AAA a season ago, and while the inning total wasn't super high, he was pitching in other places than the minor league totals that we all see that are readily available and that he's put on he's like captain of the like best shape of his life uh, him and Alec Manoa co-captains of the best shape in their life crew uh in Dunedin right now because he took the Alec Manoa 35 pounds that he lost and he put it on I guess mm-hmm. and he, he like noticeably different mm-hmm. physically we saw how electric the arm was in his brief foray into last year's major league uh spring training that the narrative will grow that like, oh, the Jays have this incredible depth of starting pitching. But if you're just putting your best five starters out there, Ricky Tiedemann deserves to be in it. I'm buying that narrative and I'm buying that reality. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. I, and it, But like, it's hard to pick the guy that you take out of the rotation, but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to be like running a six-man rotation, especially early in the season, especially when you got Chris mm. Bassett coming off his first 200-inning season, especially when you got Alec Manoa mm. and the physical ailments he had and trying to protect this staff. Yeah, so one of uh, I, that's a way better narrative buy than the one I have for this, which is simply uh, Alec Manoa has a quiet camp. That's a God. first of all. If I'm a newspaper editor, I'm like, don't, don't, don't print that. Don't Alec, do that. Alec Manoa That's has boring. Alec Manoa has a quiet camp, and Bowden Francis and Ricky Tiedemann emerge oh. as potentially more viable options for the Blue Jays' fifth starter spot, mm. creating awkwardness at, amongst the ranks of the Blue Jays. Mm. Interesting. I I am of the belief that in that scenario specifically that mm-hmm. there's not much Alec Manoa can do from a performance in spring uh, perspective to lose the hold on the fifth starter so that's, spot. That's my opinion too, is that's why it's like I'm buying that narrative. Because, yeah, but not the reality. But the reality I think is going to be that Manoa is the fifth starter and he will get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that to me, the leash will be short based upon how the other two guys perform in spring. And when they first start at AAA. Yeah. Cause Bowden be- Francis isn't, I don't think going to start. If he's stretched out, he's mm-hmm. a starter. I don't think that he's going to start the season out of the bullpen like he did last year. He's mm-hmm. not going to be the like, hey, because they've got Yariel Rodriguez, right? Yep. And he's going to end up being the long man on this team. He yep. says he wants to be a starter eventually. Yeah. Maybe he looks all right. But I think that role is basically established, that he is the insurance guy for anybody that gets knocked out of a game early. I think the other two guys start in AAA, and we're closely monitoring what they're doing and very much comparing it to what Manoa's yeah. doing, and the pressure is big time on for him at the very start of the season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a leash he gets, right? Yeah. Considering, yeah. The, the pressure that's on him, the expectations of him looking like the guy we saw two yep. seasons ago as opposed to last year. The other guy that I feel embarrassed to bring up, but they're, they're going to. And they said he had a good finish to the season last year. It was Mitch White, who's out of options. Yeah, yeah. They're sure. going to they're gonna sell you on Mitch White yeah. being a viable guy that that they don't want to just give away. Yeah. Considering they gave up a guy in Nick Frasso Mitch White, who was a thing. Mitch White him. very much fits into my... And granted, this did backfire on me because he eventually ended up being very good for a little while with uh, the Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. the Brandon Drury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember? Because I said... My take was if right. Brandon Drury wasn't such a good-looking, like, looks like a baseball <laughs> right. player, he would have run out of opportunities much quicker. <laughs> but he kept getting chances because they went, look at that guy. He yeah. looks like a base. Mitch White is just like, he looks, when he shows up, you're like, whoa, yeah. uh, who's that guy? That's yeah. 
It's why, really like, guys, that, right? rumor the internet, yeah. rumor that it, who is he supposed to be I, I dating? Margot Robbie. Yeah, it was yeah. like, well, that's ridiculous, but, but is it? We're like, is it? Is it, it like, is it so crazy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. It's like a presence. So he'll just, he'll keep getting opportunities, I think, because he's just like handsome and has a presence. Yeah. Yeah. And also, and they traded the they, assets for him. Yeah. yeah. And at moments, he's had good yeah. stuff. And there's numbers to suggest that, yeah, his. Anyways, these are just plays. predictions. But yes, we're buying and selling and seeing if we get credit for them. But yeah, I just, I will say that there's been a lot of discussion so far about how much better shape Mano was in. Mm. But there hasn't been as much on how great the stuff looks. Mm -hmm. And I do feel... No, we saw that a little bit. Oh, it looks hard coming out of his hand. Okay, I'm just saying that it's... To me, it's been a little bit underwhelming. It's been a lot of the gym, and it hasn't... We I'm still waiting on the article of, hey, the Blue Jays and Manoa had this come-to-Jesus moment, mm -hmm. and everything's cool between them. We still haven't gotten that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, Alec Manoa, I want to be a Blue Jay for life. One of those quotes, we still haven't gotten it. I just... I think that it's a little bit more... Uh, yeah, it's it's rockier terrain, potentially, than... It seemed to be after we went, oh, no, nobody wanted him in a trade. So he's just here. Like, it, they, they feel like a partnership of circumstance rather than a partnership of willingness. Sure. Last year, no, you yeah. played into that entirely. Yeah, Can I do a sell-sell? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause, uh, well, you're see how selling this that this doesn't even happen, though. That doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, no, that it's not a narrative. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, every, yeah. that's everything, no, though. No, no. No, it's like, okay, so well, listen to it. Aliens arrive. At, yeah, <laughs> I know, but it has to okay. be within the realm of possibility. You don't think aliens were within the realm of possibility? Okay. Okay. Stop derailing this. Now right. it's you. It's on you that's derailing this. Mm -hmm. John Schneider's stepping up his disciplining skills. That this is the year that he, okay, last year you, you thought so it was no the one's year. Write that. Yeah, that no one's because they, that's all they wrote about last year was like this mm. is the thing. Mm. This is we're on point professionalism. Look at the guys we brought in, all the pros. Kevin Kiermaier, what a pro. Matt Chapman, pro. They're pros here. We got rid of the silly guys mm -hmm. to Oscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. They still made the most outs on the base pass in Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. the tying run was picked off second base yeah. in a playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think we're done writing about that, and I think we're done talking about that because that's clearly not a part of this team, and John Schneider has no impact on that. I would just like to Didn't say... did I do it? I did the sell-sell. I, -sell. I would just like to say that... Um, I know I always ask people to subscribe and review and leave five stars and leave a nice message, but I would really like it today because I'm feeling bad about how this has gone. And I need a little bit of a confidence boost from the audience. I don't know how to react to that. I'm going to say, I guess, like... Sell, sell. Well, That's exactly... Listen, if, if you're going to drop if you're a selling, sell, sell. It's like, am I buying that it's a sell? <laughs> no, you're also selling. Okay, so I... You I'm can, not, you though. Can I think, I you think can that get someone, that one. You can get that. That's a penny stock now. I, I, I'm buying it because it's a penny stock, and <laughs> someone's going to write it. Someone's going to do I already said the Justin Turner thing. Oh, I forgot to add that, that someone's going to write the, hey, Justin Turner is basically uh, the hitting coach on the team. Oh. That they're going to go, hey, a lot of the young guys are mm. approaching Justin Turner and trying to pick his brain about different ways to approach at-bats. And Turner, he says that he's only waiting for guys who are willing, but when they approach, he's really bonded with a couple of guys, blah, 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 blah. Mm. That's going to happen. Bye, bye, bye. So I think that in the undertone of him, he's going to get like manager on the field treatment. Mm. And that is going to pair with some sort of narrative about Schneider and Turner and how they want to write the ship when it comes to the, the base running stuff. Uh, all right. Bye. Having worked hard to get in the best shape of his life, Val Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has rediscovered his joy of baseball and is ready to destroy well, obviously, I'm I'm buying that. That's an every year storyline that yeah. gets written about. It will obviously be. I I've sold all my Vlad stock. Like it's gone. No, you have to. It's gone. Yeah. I I don't care. 
like, sure, write it. And, and, and sure, I'm sure there's even a part of him that believes it. I hope there is, but I got to see it. Like, I, I, it's, it's an opposite uh, Patrick Mahomes situation for me. Like, even in the middle of the season this year, I was like, I got to see the Chiefs not make an AFC championship game before I start to, to say that this is a diminished version of the product or they can't reach the heights that I've seen them reach. Mm. I got to see Vlad do it once again in a normal season before I say, yeah, that's the guy or that, 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 that could happen again. It happened once, and it wasn't just because of the ballparks yep. that he played in, but it was a lot. Like, and his road OPS in 2021 was very good, not nearly what it was at home. Mm-hmm. And I saw the process, too. Like, the walks were part of it, but what came first? Like, him hitting every ball out of the ballpark or him having the eye that, that took a bunch of walks, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, no, I'm selling, selling. It's already sold. Like, I, I, I can't sell anymore. As people know, I'm out of Vladstock. It's a bye-bye for me. You have to buy the narrative because it's going to be probably the biggest one. Yeah. That's why I left it for last is because it's kind of an obvious one. But I'm buying Vladdy stock simply for this is he had so many barrels last year that didn't go over the mm-hmm. fence. And I just have to believe that working out matters and that if you're trying to get stronger and you also barrel a lot of balls that you put in the air, that that working out materializes into a few more home runs. And that a lot of what we saw with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. last year also ended up being some confidence issues because that's, that's the thing about him. I don't think we underrate it, but that we've probably understated up until now, which is that when he's in slumps, he really wears it, and it's hard for him to kind of get out of them. He's a guy that's very, very used to a ton of success throughout his baseball career, and now he's had a few moments where it's gone really poorly, and he has a tough time digging himself out. So I think a, a hot start to the season is going to be important for Vladdy, but he's a look good, feel good, perform good guy. And so I'm going to buy, not that he's ever going to be the, the runner-up for MVP again. Mm. I don't know if that'll ever happen. I think that's, that's really tough to project. But I do think that he is going to have a really, really good year this season. But what does that mean? So like OPS 900 of 900? Yeah, okay. Yeah, 900 yeah. OPS. That's a very good season. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He'll be in that, he'll be in that range. Yeah. Like 880 plus. I Listen. Who's not rooting for that? I'm oh, yeah. rooting oh, for that. Yeah, okay. But I will say... I can, hey, uh, disclaimer. I'd like to tell everyone that he is absolutely not rooting <laughs> for that. That's not... He uh, is unequivocally not rooting for that. What do you more fun? Like oh, Vlad yeah. No, no, no. Bombs. Play that game. Yeah, play that game. Yeah, no, no. That's obviously more fun. But yeah, yeah and there's a, there's a statistical uh-huh. backing for that, right? Last year was not the worm burners off the bat. He actually improved the launch yeah, angle. That's what I mean. His season didn't make a lot of sense. No, it didn't. Last it's year. too weird. It's too weird. And that's the part of it is if we're gonna play the anomalies of the ballparks, we gotta play the anomalies for the negative side of things. And that was the yeah, the hard contact rate, the fly ball rate, mm. the barrel rate, all those things. And mm. God, Vladdy, just hit some balls out of the yard, please. I go to a lot of these baseball games. I want to see you hit some home runs. Because there's nothing like being at the Rogers Center when they get the horn and it's you that does it. You know? Yeah, it didn't happen until June last year for oh, him. Oh, I'm aware. Painfully aware. Anyways. Uh, thank you for doing this. Thanks. I we'll thought we did. Oh, well. we won't see you next week. No, I'm you're going off. away. Yeah, you're I'm off. There's no good hour next week. All right, enjoy your cruise. Thanks. Buddy. We'll discuss when you return. Okay. See ya. Bye. On the other side of the break, Craig Simpson. Always really excited when I get to pick this guy's brain. Hockey Night in Canada, NHL on Sportsnet, two-time Stanley Cup champion, owner of the best shooting percentage, NHL history. It's Craig Simpson. What's up, man? Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing all right because, yeah, you know, the, the sun is shining. The Maple Leafs are winning hockey games, like a lot of them, against the bad teams, which is, you know, something that doesn't always happen. No, you're right. It's uh, it it has been in the past, uh, you know, one of their weaknesses of, of not being able to 
get the points when you need them. But uh, you know, it's been a good little run that they've they've had been able to put some games together, and no surprise that uh, you know they're sitting at this point feeling a little bit better about themselves than they were, say, what a week and a half ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, it turns out that, you know, you can count on, you know, death and taxes and the Toronto Maple Leafs ending up in uh, you know, one of the spots in the Atlantic division that ends up in a playoff spot and grinding their way to a divisional matchup in the playoffs, but not finishing first. It's, it's just, it's the, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Okay, but I, this season has been different. And recently, with this stretch of play, there's been a lot of talk about the Morgan Riley incident and what that has done for this team. And William Nylander had this quote yesterday. We're, we've answered the bell. I think Mo lit a fire in the team. Yes, we're battling for Mo, end quote. Um, are you actually noticing a different Maple Leafs team over this stretch? And if so, how much of it is them versus how much of that is the strength of competition that they've played? I, I don't think you can sort of debate the strength of competition because you, you just look at the season and it unfolds the way the schedule allows it to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't pick and choose who you want to play on a given week. And, uh, you know, I, I think at times you go through a stretch that sometimes you'll look at your schedule and go, oh, this is going to be a tough week and maybe you play your absolute best hockey or vice versa, as you were just saying off the top, sometimes it looks like, oh, these are guaranteed point nights and mm-hmm. it doesn't go your way. So I, I do think, though, you know, the one thing, if any team that I've been on, whether as a player or when I was coaching, um, you look at times where you go, uh, we've, we've got some real challenges ahead, whether it's injuries or whether it's a suspension, like you're talking about with Morgans. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times when you can just tell that the, it galvanizes the team and, and, it, and it shows that guys realize, okay, we're not going to let this week, which it quite frankly could have derail a whole season, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, there are critical times where you look at your team and you go, what are we and, you know, what can we be and how good can we uh, push our game to a level? And whether it's the fact that they, you know, Morgan's actions uh, ignited them or the fact that he got suspended probably more than most would have thought uh, the number was going to be. I just think that it's one of those critical times where you get a chance to see what you have in your organization, what you have with your top guys, and if guys can can rally around each other and play their best hockey. And I I think you look at that schedule and you say, I, I, I don't think you ever want to debate, okay, well, what's the strength of schedule during that time? You go, no. The critical points after a disappointing loss a week and a bit ago on a Saturday night in Ottawa, mm-hmm. and instead of folding, uh, suddenly you know you go three and zero on a homestand, and you start a four-game road trip with a big win. So. Uh, I, I do think that there's no question that it's made an impact on them. Yeah, okay. So th- that's what I'm trying to suss out here, though, is because, yes, they absolutely deserve credit for getting these wins because we've hammered them. And by we, I mean me. I've done it. I've hammered them relentlessly when they've had these egg-laying games against terrific teams. You know, like my yeah. partner on Leafs Talk reminded me the other day that last season at the very beginning of the year, they lost a the game to the Anaheim Ducks on the road and it was yeah. it was a nightmare zone, right? It was, okay, Sheldon <laughs> Keefe sat Marner and is he fired and is everybody done? Is this the worst Leafs team we've ever seen? It was just, it was a, it was a bad, bad, bad time. 
uh, I said at one point this year that the measuring stick games for the Leafs were against the bad opponents because they've proven right. that they can elevate. They can't. They haven't proven that consistently. They can just go out there and beat the bad teams. We know from analytics, and this goes across all sports, that the way that they usually measure the best teams is the gap that they have between them and the bad teams and whether they actually put the pedal down and whoop them rather than lower competition and kind of let them hang around and end up having one goal games. They're winning in regulation. There's a lot of positive markers for this team. I, I guess if we're in agreement that something is different, I, I, I'd like to know from your educated eye what you're seeing from them right now that has actually materially changed from the group that we've been seeing, say, the weeks prior or before the Morgan Riley incident. Well, a few things. Um, loaded question, I guess, a bit because there's always little factors. You know, mm -hmm. whether it's a, if whether it's a great individual performance that might win you a game that maybe you wouldn't have before. So, you know, when you got your top guy scoring what 35 goals in his last 31 games, you that's know you've got a that's yeah. That, that 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 tends to yeah. the old saying: <laughs> a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yeah. And. Uh, that that has a tendency to to help you, but I, I I think they're they're getting performances through the key positions that maybe they weren't before. I, I've said the the biggest concern I've had with this group is that they haven't had that secondary offense or secondary scoring, and um, I think I said it two games ago uh, with just take a guy like Bobby McMahon. Does he not look like? a different player than the one maybe three weeks ago that would have been in the same situation and probably wouldn't have scored. Um, so I, I do think that there's been some growth in the play of guys that you know, like you watch the team and you say, if if you don't get the that kind of production out of those types of players come playoff time, you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I do think there's been a, a push of the needle in that middle ground guys and say, can I trust this guy to play? Can I, can he contribute uh, in, in key moments, you know, on the back end without Morgan, again, you've got, you know, Benoit McCabe playing pretty darn well together. Lilgren, you know, he makes some mistakes, gets beat out of some battles in the corner, but overall you just look at the underlying numbers and say, Oh, you know, contributing with some offense and playing a, a significant role there. So I, I just think that's, that's the sort of ups and downs of a season where you're going to be challenged and different guys are going to be challenged at different times. And this has been a stretch that um, from the goaltenders out as well uh, have, have been able to come through and, and play a significant role in, in those wins. Yeah, you're right. And it is a bit of, you know, it's, it's a complicated answer because it is a team sport and truly like it's, right. <laughs> And there, there are so many things like, you know, they pointed out on the broadcast yesterday, you guys mentioned like Samsonov has the third highest save percentage in the NHL since he returned. Go like, figure. Yeah, Can you like, imagine yeah. that? Like uh, two months ago, would you have ever said that? No, honestly, um, I, it's, it's one of the more shocking sports stories that I can remember in terms of just one individual athlete in such a short period of time, right? Like we've seen comeback stories before from other athletes and guys have bounced back from stuff, but I, in my lifetime, I, I'm having trouble remembering where it's gone from you're completely unplayable, people think that you're going to like straight up be in the KHL, that you'll never play another game for the Maple Leafs, to, yeah. oh, you look like a top 10 goaltender again, and everything's completely normal and fine. And okay, you, I, Usually it's not within the same week. year or month or yeah. you know uh, two months, right? Yeah. It, you need some rehabilitation, right. both mentally, physically, all that. And let, let's, let's not kid ourselves. 
it, it's not like that is not going to be a story going forward. Oh, you know, you, you just, you never know. But uh, I, I do feel you, you've got to give some credit where credit's due. I, and I, I would go right from the top with uh, Brad for living on this one yeah. in terms of uh, I've heard Sheldon reference it probably five or six times talking about his plan. And it's hard, it's hard to pull a guy away who's struggling so mightily that, as you just said, it looked like this guy's never going to play in the NHL again. No. Forget about uh, for the Leafs. Uh, and and not send them to play anywhere. Like there, it's a good reminder at times. You know the uh, the things you need to work on sometimes are are really only between the ears, and you got to spend a, a, an enormous amount of time making sure you can get that turned back around, and then go go worry about being back on the ice again. And uh, it's a good reminder. And I and let's face it, let's hope it's a good story that continues going forward in a positive way. Yeah, I think a lot of people are rooting for him. And, you know, I have to come on here every day and give my opinion on things. Uh, yeah. But it is a good reminder for me not to just just say it's over. And I, I'm glad I had Kelly Rudy on last week and his perspective yeah. as a former player where he's like who has had struggles who had his career, he's like, yeah, no, this happened to me. I was like, oh, right, <laughs> this did happen to you. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, Trey Living handled it perfectly. It's like, no, you weren't going to put him down the AHL. My dumb brain, non-player, goes, well, if you're not going to play him on an AHL team, then what does that say about him? And he's like, nothing. You don't want to put him behind AHL defenders. Uh, why, yeah. If he can't face the media, what does that say about him and the way that the team feels about him? It turns out nothing, that they've got a good feel for it and they just want the guy to be out of the limelight for a little bit. They do deserve a lot of credit if it works out for them. You know what's a, a little wild about him, though, is he's playing great. You mentioned it, credit where credit's due. I think he could finish this season playing this well. And yet, when it comes to contract time, I think it would still represent an incredibly difficult question for this team. Absolutely. I mean, there's always layers, right, yeah. to, uh, to every piece. And, and, and quite frankly, at this point, that's a whole nother hurdle that, uh, you know, you'll try to jump over in a long time. But I, I think mm-hmm. right now you still have to, even as a teammate, um, you know, you're trying to build right now. It, there's sure. what, they got 28 games last year. You're building in your mind now. You've gone from season, okay, start, energy, get in the middle, get a little bit of a grind, all-stars over. Now you're like, Listen, you're you're looking at the at the standings every day as a player and go, where are we going to finish? What are we going to do? How are we playing? Like, to me, uh, in this time as a player, you're going, what are we as a team? Can we trust each other? You know, are are we building enough that we can uh, feel confident that we do have a team that can come together and go on a bit of a run? Can we deal with adversity together? And I think it's a it's a it's a huge time to try to you know, force yourself to grow together as a team to see what you can be. And so uh, I, I do think when you look at a guy like Samsonov and then listen, that Lowell was a great story early on, but mm-hmm. I don't think you can be confident in saying that he's going to be the guy going through because what have you seen from him for two and a half months? What's that going to be like coming back? So I think you do really have to just focus on the guys who are there and around and say, what can we, what, how can we come together and build and grow? And hopefully I, I don't mind this team being a bit of a, not a struggling team. I, I think I said it early in the year going, I, I think some struggles and learning how to win when you're not playing your best or learning how to win when you're a little shorthanded will serve this team well, because I think that's 
probably the mindset you have to have come playoff time that, you know, maybe even you might not be the best team, but have you as a group uh, learned how to be comfortable when you're not playing your best to stay in a game and find a way to win some tight ones? And there's been some good examples of that, which I quite frankly think serve you well going into a playoff mode. Yeah, you know, that's really interesting when we're reflecting on this stretch without Morgan Riley. And again, the, you know, the, the teams, whatever, the situations, whatever. But the fact that there has been some kind of bonding between the group and feeling yeah. of us against the world and what do we do when some chips are down? Because they've clearly added some stakes to this, this run of play that for them to come through during it, that maybe that actually does mean something later on. Oh, 100% it does. And I, I think that's... You know, now you've got a, a group of guys that, you know, much talked about. They, they've had their um, share of failures, right? And, and, I mean, failures are only playoffs. Regular season, doesn't matter how good you are there. When you lose first round for, what, six of your first seven years as those core guys, that's all that sticks with you. I don't care if you're a 115-point team or or what Boston did last year. You know, what sticks with you is the playoff uh, pain. So I, I think it's learning and growing of what kind of team do we have to be when it matters the most. And to me, any, you know, being a part of a two really good teams and Stanley Cup winning teams in Edmonton, it, it's the... It's the collection of guys, uh, you know, some of the guys in 1990 that had come and had not been a part of winning the Stanley Cup grew along the way and learned how this team had to play and what you needed to do as a player. It doesn't always mean that you're going to score, but you have to do key things throughout, you know, big times in a game and be comfortable in those moments. And uh, that's what a regular season like this one when guys are playing an elevated role mm-hmm. and learning how to play those big minutes. Or quite frankly, sometimes it's how do you survive a minute and a half or two-minute shift where you're hemmed in your own zone? That might win you a playoff game if 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 you understood how now to play and to react in those situations. And quite frankly, you got to get the opportunity to do it in the regular season and learn how to play like that. Can I be honest though? The that that part of their game, I, I don't think that it's you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Not good enough. Yeah, yet, no. What I, you're saying? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't love that part of their game. I don't. I don't really like the hey, they're hemmed in, and here's an opportunity to win a board battle and just chip a puck. It's like yeah, that part has been pretty frustrating this year. Don't turn it over. Oh, they turned it over. Oh, damn it. Um, okay, so I know we're talking a lot about the collective and the team and how this can operate from a, a level of getting everybody involved, but has there ever been a year? with this core where Austin Matthews has meant more to the Leafs success? Oh boy. Uh, probably not. No. Um, and I, I just, I, I was, I'm not sure if I said it yesterday or I, I've been thinking it going into each game. Uh, what, what impressed me the most probably with him this year. Uh, and I just mentioned he's got what? 34 goals or five goals, whatever yeah, it is. In 30, and yeah. But prior to those 32 games, he had one goal in nine games. Mm -hmm. And I I think what impressed me the most and what I would say about the growth of the guy, um, and obviously he's had a great career from start to finish anyway, uh, but I didn't recognize much of a different look in the player. And 
didn't recognize any different way he was playing when he scored one in nine as opposed to these 34 and 31, right? Like he, he, he's not the guy that is smashing sticks and frustrated. He's not cheating the game when he wasn't scoring in those nine games. He didn't look anything different as mannerisms. And I, I think that the consistency and, and the calmness and the sort of business-like manner is, is really impressive. And uh, I think having watched him from his rookie season on, mm-hmm. you know, he is a guy that, that plays at both ends of the ice with, with energy and vigor. And, you know, he's not uh, a guy that cheats the game defensively to try to get offense. And I, I think this year's uh, version of Austin Matthews is probably maybe even the best uh, example of that in, in terms of, you know, still committed to coming back and back checking and turning pucks over. And he strips guys of the puck without taking penalties, all the little details of the game. I just think he's in, he's in his wheelhouse per se, as mm-hmm. you would say about how he feels about the way he's playing. And then on top of that, when he's shooting the puck, he, he's putting it in the back of the net. So uh, it, it's been a pretty darn impressive run the, by the way he's playing. So he, he's certainly a complete player. And yes, I, I, I love especially that element of his game, his ability to turn guys over. And, you know, he's often criticized for not being physical enough given his size. But there is something about, you know, the way he uses his size defensively sure. yep. that, that is kind of physically imposing on other players. Like, you can really feel it when he's on the forecheck and he's on somebody and they're trying to elude him. And you're like, ooh, you're going to... You're gonna. You're, you're, not, probably, you're not getting through that yeah, very easily. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, so there is. There, there's probably a little bit more that he doesn't get credit for. But yes, complete player, guy who's scoring a ton this year. Is the consistency of play though the the biggest difference to you, or is there some evolution in his goal scoring specifically that you're seeing? That like again, he's always been a great goal scorer. He's he's had 50 and 50 games, not to start, but in a stretch yeah. before in his career. You know, he's hit these markers before. But is there something that you're seeing from him from an evolutionary standpoint or an adjustment standpoint with the scoring that is giving us this, where it's just multi-goal games basically every single night? Yeah, I I think his release and his, you know, we we showed a graphic yesterday where he's got like 13 goals from that far right side, which Mm -hmm. is kind of unique, you know, that's that. at times you're even looking saying, oh, he's kind of out of the play. Well, I think being out of the play and being able to get lost, uh, I, I use as a great right-handed shooter, Brett Hall was a guy that didn't want, when the play is cycling in the zone, get lost, get out of the traffic, get out of the goaltender's vision in mind, and then, boom, the puck's coming to you and it's in the back of the net. And I think Austin's release point it, to me, seems like he, he's been able to adjust early on, uh, you know, maybe going a little bit more high and then going five hole. Now, if you look at four of his last five goals have been under the glove, as opposed to, I, I mentioned, and if you have Kelly on again, ask him. It, one of the hardest movements for a goaltender is to push your glove down, right? Because mm-hmm. you think of yourself as a reflex. A reflex is like, coming up with your arm not pushing it down and he is he he changes his release point he changes his delivery of where he's putting it and i just think that uh, you know one of the things in some of the one-timers he's made have made the comment he's not worried about how hard he puts it he's worried about where he puts it in the quick release point and mm. those two factors are things that you have to trust as a shooter to know you know 
guys who aren't great goal scorers are confident. Sometimes you've seen just throw the puck on that, try to get it there as hard as you can. Well, it doesn't matter if you're not putting it to an area. If you're just putting it back to the goaltender's pad, you're not accomplishing anything. And I think time and again, when he gets in tight, it's that release point of where he's putting it and the, and the confidence he has to put it exactly where he needs to. has probably grown more this year than, than even in years past. And even maybe in, you know, the 60 goal year he had two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now they've got two games coming up against Arizona who, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I set the total at three and a half is the, well, he's got to get his 50th that's what year I mean. in, in Arizona. Yeah, right. Uh, Chris, I, I always laugh at Chris yeah. because he like he loves lists and, you know, yeah. big moments. And he's like, Oh, I, I better look at this it. week. There's no question. He's getting <laughs> yeah. it in Phoenix. So yeah, he we'll better see. have a good one. He's had time to prepare. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's had time to prepare. No pressure, Chris. You gotta, you gotta have one. Uh, so, <laughs> The, the, the other part of this, though, too, and this has been a constant with him. It's not as much like about what he is doing because you, you outlined in great detail uh, what you think those things are. But do you think Mitch Marner is getting enough credit for the success right now? Uh, you know, it's been, a, it's, it's been an interesting year for Mitch. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably hasn't been as... Uh, I, wrong use of the word, but noticeable. Like he hasn't been sort of the guy fair. who's been stirring the drink. And you know, you think of Mitch his seven years, he's led the team in assists mm-hmm. uh, and, and not to be unnoticed, you know, he was a eight assists behind Nylander. What about two, three weeks ago. And, and now all of a sudden right again, back at the top of leading this team in assists again. So you know, I, I do think you get accustomed to him being the driver in a lot of cases. I, I think that, you know, year by year, you, you look and say, uh, you, how do you handle the times where maybe you're not getting the easy points or maybe your, your game's not completely uh, intact? But I, I think he's like uh, much of the team has grown over the last little while. And, you know, I, I just think he's learning how to be, uh, a contributing player every night without you don't always have to have the points uh, and every year is not going to be one where they come easy I don't think they came easy early on I think they're starting to come more noticeably like you're accustomed to seeing him being able to gather points on a nightly basis mm-hmm. but I think again not a bad thing for him to have gone through like it's it's a it's a relative term struggle right <laughs> like uh Bertuzzi, if he struggles for 20 games, can't score, you're not getting many points. I think with a guy like Marner, you're saying, oh, it kind of looks like he's struggling. Well, it might just be a point per game or 10 in the last 12. You know, mm-hmm. So there, there's, there's relative terms to struggle. But I think his game's coming together at the right time, too. I think he's feeling better about his ability to control the game and the way he's playing again. And uh, uh, again, I think this is a year where in your mind – some struggles during the year are not a bad thing. And I think it'll serve them better going into the playoffs, having gone through them during the regular season. Yeah, no, I I think that's bang on. Um, And I do think that earlier on in the season, he was especially far less noticeable lately. It's been much better. And it's been, it's been a lot of pillows for Matthews. On like you're looking yeah. at the I think it's 21 primary assists on Matthews goals. Right. Well, how many times have I said like yeah. he finds him again? Yeah. Right. As soon as he gets the puck, he delays and buys yeah. some time. And if I was playing with him, I 
you know, I, I played with a guy by the name of Gretzky that I, I remember trying to describe to somebody. Uh, it, it's like if you're playing in your um, beer league game mm-hmm. and you're going, oh, if this guy had seen me, I'd be, you know, I, I'm wide open. Why isn't he seen mm-hmm. me? Well, you play in a practice and you go, oh, man, I'm wide open and pucks between my legs and I missed it because <laughs> yeah. the pass is already there. You know, there's a guy that, uh, that'll find you every time. And I think Mitch is very much like that kind of guy. And if I was Austin, you go, that's why they're such a great tandem because he knows where he needs to get lost and then get into the opening. And, and Mitch has a great ability to find him. See, this is going to be the real point of fascination for me come playoff time because it's been the points been made over and over again that Matthews doesn't have any goals in game sevens and he disappeared in the the panther series and yeah 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 all the chances they got and they make that abundantly right. clear whenever they lose these games is that they had chances but like that's not the point what i what i really want to see is is this actually the i don't want to say conclusion but the ultimate version of these two guys with their chemistry because to me that's what chemistry is is when you're figuring out just exactly that amount of patience that mitch has to find him for those passes to find him in those sweet spots over and over again like even on the power yep. play when he's ripping some of those it's like the time and the space and where he is on some of these things it's just perfect and the other the opponent looks completely helpless in so many of these situations and if this continues between these two guys i do think that matthews actually has a real shot at hitting 70 goals but the the bigger one is going to be does it translate in the playoffs and does all of a sudden those two guys actually dominate their minutes against their opponents because if that happens then people are going to start to believe on a real run right and honestly at this stage in this uh age where they are you get into your eighth year in the league and you're You've you've done everything offensively that you know you you wanted to accomplish early on, and and that changes each and every year, and you try to set new goals and all that. But listen, they I think they're understanding enough, mature enough, have a you know one taste of winning around. Okay, that's great, but then back to the disappointment of, of losing the next one in fashion that you just mentioned, not being able to do the key things uh, in a series when you need them. Uh, I just think that it's part of the maturity. It's part of the growth. You, 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 you hope that your team grows the, the way that you grow as an individual player, but let's face it, if you're going to have success, those core guys and key players at that critical age and the right timing um, have to learn how to play at that level when it matters the most. And then there's, there's the biggest thing as a, as an athlete that you're trying to accomplish both individually and then collectively as a team is, can I be known for a guy who can play his best hockey when it matters the most. And let's face it, that's come playoff time and it's a different game. And I think part of the maturity you have as a, as a player at the age that these guys are now, you realize that's all that matters now. I mean, you have to get to the destination point by having a good regular season. But to me, even if I'm Austin Matthews gets 70 goals, my, you, you know deep in your mind it's about, well, what am I going to do mid-April through June and hopefully I can accomplish those goals because that's really all that matters. Hey, Craig, this was uh, really insightful stuff. I always really appreciate the time and enjoy watching Austin Matthews rip his 50th goal tomorrow night uh, in and Arizona. You can listen to Chris talk about it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I will. <laughs> Take care, man. Thanks right. for the time. You bet. Thank you.
uh, Craig Simpson. Uh, Hockey Night Canada, NHL on Sportsnet. Again, that game is on Sportsnet tomorrow night late. There will be Leafs talk right after. Ugh, the worst. Uh, when it's that late, it's a nightmare. I got to do the show. I got to turn it around. It's like nobody cares. There's no sympathy for me, you know. I'm get, sympathetic for well, what it's worth. You, you know what, though? I actually do get messages from people in the industry that are like, how go. hard. That's incredibly difficult. And it's like, mm, do my bosses notice? Never. They're like, they take it for granted. Hey, but I notice. Thank and you. that's worth as much, right? I know. I appreciate that. Anyways, uh, let's take a quick break. Let's come back and hit what we missed. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Vancouver Canucks gave up seven goals in the third period last night. Yeah, that was a crazy scoreline to look at, eh? I actually, it was crap because I had a bet that involved the Canucks. So I lost a bet, but the Canucks got embarrassed. So I, I, it's, I was yeah. like, yeah. Mitigates it a bit. Yeah. yeah, it was. But then I also won a bet later of it was... Uh, the Edmonton Oilers were down a goal heading into the third period against Arizona, who had lost nine straight games. And Edmonton's the best third period team in hockey. And I was sitting on the old lap looking at because I got home right in time for that, started that third. I looked up at the TV and I was like, that's the score. And I looked down at the app. It was Oilers plus 140. And I went, oh, <laughs> thank you. And I put a pretty heavy wager on that. And then immediately the Oilers went, score, 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 score. <laughs> and that was nice. That was a nice one for you. I will say this, though. The officials called Connor McDavid offside on a breakaway in that game, in which it was not abundantly clear that he was offside. And that's jail. Like, you gotta, that's like in football now where the fumble happens and they let the they play play out go, so that yeah, they yeah. can review the turnover. Obviously do that. Don't call it dead on the field yeah. because the, the the other way is so much, so much, so much worse. Way worse. And that was it. I'm going, you really think that your stupid little beady eyes picked up Connor McDavid offside there? And uh, I don't know. <laughs> he has a breakaway. It's the greatest player on earth. You're depriving everybody the of... The most exciting play. Yeah. Just, just Anyway, I kind of want that. But again, no referee will ever be reprimanded for anything. They're not allowed. They're very precious. <laughs> And so you can't criticize them. You can't say that they're doing a bad job or that I could do their job easily, by the way. Linesmen, too. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's so hard. Nobody could possibly do refing. Anyway. And again, like I said, I got a cousin who I love who is a ref, and he makes it seem so hard, and he's got all these books. And I'm like, what's in those books? <laughs> Drop the puck. Yeah. Got it. Blow, it's like yeah. how to blow a whistle multiple uh, yeah. pages. Do a hand signal. When a guy uses his stick to trip someone, it's a trip. Oh, oh. When puck goes in net, point watch, at puck with Watch hand. the play. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the NBA now because just everything's a foul. So it's like you get even too close. Like, too close. Too everything's close. a foul, foul on the defender. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, no. Everything is. You can bowl right into a guy and they're like, yeah, you're getting two shots. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Let's uh, let's hit what we missed. Here's a narrative I didn't think was like I didn't expect to come out of NBA All Star was mm. who's the greatest Canadian basketball player of all time. Mm-hmm. Stephon Marbury said that. Uh, oh, be like Stephon Marbury is it him? No. <laughs> Put him in the mix. No. Yeah, Stephon he tries Marbury's... to claim it. He's like, no, it's there. I went. I went up to a couple Rogers games. I was there. Yeah. Stephon Marbury said that it was uh, Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander that he had yeah. passed Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. Shea then said, you know, mm-hmm. I appreciate it, but Steve's still ahead of me. I mean, clearly the gaps. Mm-hmm. Closing, but mm-hmm. who you got is the goat, the Canadian goat. Well, yeah, one guy's not playing anymore, and the other guy is. So, so yeah, it, okay. naturally. But who 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 you got is the goat, and what would Shea have to do to to 
Pass. I'm assuming you still have Steve Nash. Yeah. Uh, uh, first of all, Stefan Marbury, with all due respect, because I actually have a lot of respect for Starbury. He's a little forgotten. A guy who cared in all-star games. Yes. That Timberwolf, I, Timberwolves Marbury was great. So, man, Marbury was a, a good player. A forgotten player because, be honest, he busted with the Knicks. It and went wrong. you bust with the Knicks, yeah. you're, that's going to be the way you remember. It went wrong. Right? Like, that's just the way that his career goes. But... Marbury with the Timberwolves and Nets was awesome. Yeah. And then even a little bit with the Suns. Like sure. the first years of Marbury were awesome. He also was one of the first guys. He might have even been because Shaq gets a lot of credit for being the Shaq shoe and Walmart guy where he wants to have an affordable shoe that has Shaquille O'Neal on it so the kids could buy it. Starbury was the first guy that made the Starburys that was, I want to make a reasonably priced shoe for kids. Yeah. He deserves a lot of credit for that. I, I got love for Stefan Marbury. This take is moronic. <laughs> what are you talking about, Steph? Like truly, I, I get it that I'm excited about Shea too, and I, this doesn't—I don't want to make this like a, a Shea slander moment because who wants to hear that as a Canadian? But uh, Steve Nash's resume includes uh, two MVPs. You might have heard of those mm-hmm, before. Mm-hmm. Two Most Valuable Player of the Year awards, yeah. in which he beat Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. Shaq and Kobe. One of them he probably shouldn't have gotten. Sure. But he should have gotten the one over Kobe. Correct. And here's the, the thing. The one over Shaq, eh, maybe not. But whatever. Who cares? Ultimately, he got two. He got, so who cares? He got two MVPs. <laughs> he was an eight-time All-Star. He made the All-NBA team seven times, including three times as a first All-NBA player. Like, like he's a four-time 50-40-90 guy. He was the engine of a team he, that revolutionized He led the league basketball. in assists. Yes, he led the league in assists five times. Like, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is 25 years old. Can we just chill out for a second? Shea is an awesome player. And Jamal Murray has won an NBA championship now as the second best player on a team, which should by, like, be pretty well documented. There was, I read an article the other day that was, it was really well laid out. Jamal Murray is the, by far the best player ever in NBA history that has yet to make an all-star team. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Stati- everything about it, it's crazy that he hasn't been able to make one. Like nutso, nutso, nutso stuff when you look at what his accomplishments are. But whatever. Shea is going to end up being the guy that challenges Nash as the greatest Canadian of Correct. all time. And already, I would argue that Shea is the best Canadian scorer of all time. And that includes Jamal Murray, who is a lights-out scorer. And that includes Nash, who doesn't get enough credit Mm -hmm. for his ability. Like, the ways that Nash attacked the basket, jumping off the wrong foot, throwing off the fender, that is genuinely stuff that was not happening before Steve Nash. Dude, just the dribble underneath, like keeping a dribble alive all the way underneath the net. This, this is, this is such Nash. a, this is such a problem with the Armin generation where it's like Armin thinks like, t- t- like he thinks Halliburton is like a generational play. Like he thinks it's like to those young guys, they think Halliburton is Steve Nash because like all the guys around him are scoring and he's throwing like outlet passes to guys who aren't playing any defense. It's like, that's what their generation thinks. It's like always what is the best in the moment, the best in the moment. And Starbury should know better as a guy who is from the different era to show a little bit more respect to kind of like what came before you. God, this sounds like such old head talk. <laughs> this is literally the most old head corner ever. But we just can we just chill out for a second on how quick it takes a guy to become the greatest of something. Can we not just have longevity be a part of this? Can we not respect the guy like Steve Nash? Like that's your contemporary. I don't know if there's like some professional jealousy there because they played on the same team, Mm -hmm. like the Suns. what, what it is about Marbury, the way he looks at Nash and probably thinks there were moments in his career where he was better. And maybe he looks at Shea and says, I wasn't better than him. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but it's moronic to try to put a guy like Shea, who I think has one all NBA team, right? Yeah. He was all, he was all T first NBA last year. 
and then he will be this he year will as be well. This year. Nash didn't get an All-NBA selection until he was 28 years old. That's another thing to consider. So Shea's ahead of schedule sure. on Nash. Yeah, sure. So what? Like, yeah, that's like, that. It, they were they were completely different guys. So he guys. was better than Nash was when he was younger. Yeah, that, that, so there's, that should... there is no doubt. That there is no doubt. Like 20, what is Shea now? 24? 25. 25? 25? Yeah. Man, he's already 25. I guess it was in the buried year with the Clippers. Exactly. But... Shea is, yes, on a trajectory-wise that he will be a better scorer than Nash. I don't know. I think that they're different players. It's really hard for me to... <sighs> like, if so, Shea and, wins an NBA championship and yeah. he continues... Well, if Shea wins pace. an NBA championship as the best player on a team, which he would be on this current Thunder team, then I don't think that there's a question where you can do about it. Like, it just it is what it is. Like, the thing is, you can have... <sighs> For me, he would have to make this. This is for me to say Shea Gilgis Alexander is definitively better than Steve Nash. He would have to make like he's got to get one MVP at least. I'm so I don't care about like the era. It's like again, Steve Nash beat Shaq and Kobe for his MVPs. So I don't want to hear from all the Kobe fans that he's the second greatest player who ever lived, and from people like me who think Shaq was the most dominant player who ever lived. That includes Jordan. I watched both, and Shaq in his prime was more dominant for stretches than Jordan. And tell me that, oh, it's less, it's harder for Shea Gilgis Alexander to beat uh, Giannis Attentacumbo for him. Like, shut up with that. Like, no, 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 no. Get an MVP at least. You got to get one. A title definitely does it. I think almost right away is the best player. And then you got to have some longevity. You got to make like five all NBA teams, dude. Like, you got to have five. And I think you'll get there. And I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. Shea, Shea will get into that conversation. To me, it's just there's, there's certain things about Nash's game that I, I don't think, like, I think sh- Steve Nash is always going to be a more, impactful player on the way the game is played today versus what Shea will ever accomplish. Like nothing Shea is going to do is going to be a revolutionary thing. Like his, his scoring package There's nothing about Shea's game. That is, Oh, we've never seen this before with Nash. There was that matters. But to me, if you were asking me like what is likely based on what I'm seeing right now and the way that Shea plays, I think there's a pretty damn good chance that Shea does end up as the, the better of the two. It's just like, we got to chill out. He's got one all NBA team. He's going to have to, well, he's got two because he'll make one this year, yeah. even if he got hurt now, but he's on his way. But so yeah. two things like, first off for sure, Shea is further ahead than Nash was. I mean, Nash, he didn't, he didn't play much yeah, in like the early part that, of his that, career. That's what I mean. It's I think just, he played over 30 yeah. minutes, like oh, one time in his first four seasons. But the other thing one guy is went to Santa Clara. The other guy went to Kentucky. Like yes. it's, it's kind of dumb to compare the beginning of their careers. Yeah. Like, but the other just, thing too, is like, you know, what would do at least like, especially in Canada, like Shay's seeming commitment to team Canada basketball. And especially now while, when they're going to be really good, mm. will do a lot for like Canadian fans in terms of, connecting him with like Canadian basketball more specifically. Sure. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I get that. But I will say this is like, if you would have put Steve Nash, who was an elevator of everyone oh, around sure. an actually talented NBA, ba- like or a team Canada basketball, like, <laughs> I mean, and I'm not even saying, I, I'm just like, saying like, could you imagine it was like, you put Steve Nash with these guys, like you oh, could let him sure. play yeah, with yeah. Kelly Olynyk. All of a sudden we'd be like, is Kelly Olynyk Carl Malone? Well, part, and part of it is part of it is just happenstance. Like Shea happens to be part of the Canadian generation yeah. that's the best that's, it's that's ever what been I'm for that's, sure. Hundred percent. Why is it the best it's ever been? In part because of Steve Nash. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But like we're just gonna we're gonna see Canadian basketball success with Shea on it like we never did. Yes. You know what I mean? That's no just question. that's just gonna happen. No question. No question. No question. No question. So JD, more playoff ex- more playoff victories. Let's say he makes it to the finals a couple of times or whatever. Yeah. Won't do it even if he doesn't win MVP because Nash. That's regular season stuff. Yeah. So I don't want to criticize the, him, no, obviously. Here's the thing, though, too. <laughs> He's the Nash, goat, but... No, but this this is also this context matters. 
right now, the NBA is way more open than it ever was during Nash's runs. Like the West, when Nash was at his peak, was way harder to get through than what it is right now. Like look at the Western Conference. What, you got to get through the Timberwolves? You got to get through Denver, who's clearly looks like they've taken a step back from last year. And yeah, are they going to turn it up? And do I think Denver's the favorite? And do I think Jokic and Murray are imposing? For sure. But it's not like that's a... That, that, that's not a the Spurs teams that Nash kept running into, okay? Like, that's not the Lakers teams. That, so I, I do think that context matters a little bit in terms of what the Western Conference looked like when Steve Nash was at his peak versus what the Western Conference might look like with the Oklahoma City Thunder as they're entering a period that is, and they've, they deserve all the credit in the world for Sam Presti and co. about the way that their team is built, but the way the NBA is now going with the luxury tax rules Teams like Oklahoma City are going to benefit vastly from that because the Suns had a cheap owner. They had Robert Sarver, who basically started <laughs> selling pieces off and getting yeah. rid of guys around Steve Nash. Selling draft screwed picks. Them. For, yeah. Yes, screwed them over and over and over again. They also got hit with the game where Amari Stoudemire comes off the bench, Boris yeah. Dio comes off, and then they end up having to play. They had a game where Tim Duncan hit a three right at the end of regulation to force an overtime that the Spurs won. Like The Suns were the most snake-bitten team. Yes, if Shea has success, he gets that credit. But no, going to Western Conference Finals in this in this climate right now, what it looks like in the West, where it's the aged Warriors, the aged Lakers, and LeBron, there's a real changing of the guard happening where the luxury tax rules are coming into play and the Thunder have all these draft picks and young homegrown talent, which is what you really want more so now than ever, when it's going to be harder for guys to move in free agency and a small market like Oklahoma City has more advantages than they've had in years past. Like... I'm going to weigh that stuff. I get that these things usually get boiled down to uh, simplistic takes of a person that watches a couple of games a year and goes, well, I'd rather have Shea because he's taller and he can score more and he would beat Steve Nash one-on-one. And I'm like, well, fine, then that's your opinion. But if I'm talking about like greatest impacts and context of winning and, you know, legacy right now, Steve Nash is very, very, very far ahead of Shea. And I think Shea in his answer is acknowledging that too, like flat out. Mm. Yeah. So Anyways, what's next? Uh, another thing coming out of um, Hello, Shay. I don't like that you guys put me in that position. No, I this, this isn't an answer. Yeah, I didn't like going against Nash either. It's just like uh, well, you're, he you're was first, second, and third in the Western Conference standings in those years. Like his team was really good. They I know were. the West was stacked. I, I agree. Yeah, but if but that's you're the other there, part of it is then, like, hey, Shay, can you if once your team start finishing first, second, and third in the standings year in year out. Like, we'll let's see. see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Like, you haven't even done that. Like, yeah. you haven't even done that. So, yeah, I just, we got to chill on it. We got to chill. It, it just, Shea is an, an unbelievably great player. He's a Canadian who has a chance to win an MVP. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Crazy. Like, wild. Jamal Murray is amazing. He's, he's never going to win an MVP. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Shea could. That's crazy that yeah. he's that level of talent. And we saw it against the States this last summer where you go, Holy crap, he's, he's the, the best man. guy. Yeah. Uh, there's like Team USA's out there. It's not their best team, but he's the best guy out there. Yeah. If Canada and the States go head-to-head and Canada has Shea Gilgis-Alexander in a game, that makes them like, holy crap, they could win this game. And I'm not sure you could have ever said that about Nash. Yeah. Well, and think so about like, it, even... there are things that Shea is going to have talent-wise and ability-wise, but it's also like the era of basketball, which is way more isolation scoring, way more one-on-one, and like he's way he's better at the thing that is far more coveted than this era of basketball, especially as scoring goes up, as free throw rates go up, defense diminishes. Yeah. 
Anyway, what's next? We got to get off this. Uh, more stuff from All-Star Game. Oh, yeah. uh, the players want to get paid a lot of money to play in the All-Star Game, Shut apparently. Up, so Sam, Sam, Sam Amick oh. said, yeah, the players just want to get paid a bunch. So, Dude, honestly, know. though, this is, such a, this is such BS because these guys, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah we want to get paid more. And then you pay them more and what's going to happen? I, so this is, my, get, this is my takeaway, too, is like they wanted apparently, like uh, Amick said, like a in-season tournament level no, bonus structure. These guys um, have to shut up. And like that's going around in the players' circles. But like, I, I'm telling you right now. What is that going to change? I, I'm telling you right now. I, I know that I can be alarmist sometimes. I understand that uh, I, but I think for the most part, I've had a pretty good read on hockey in terms of the, the, some of the scary stuff around the game and the way that some of it's trending and, you know, potentially over expansion, uh, losing some of the physicality, uh, losing uh, like some of the physical play that we need to have in hockey, the care factor in hockey, the fact that it's just like it really is just rich kids who can get in now because their parents can basically pay for them to get to the level that you need to like the ice time, the skating, the coaching. There's just such a discrepancy in hockey, the equipment versus other sports, right? Other sports are getting more expensive, but there ain't nothing like hockey. Okay. And it's, and it's having an effect, I think going forward on the game and the passion of the game and you know, the types of players that we're seeing basketball, I'm starting to get nervous, I'm starting to get real sweaty about the game. I love because the scoring is one thing. The lack of caring in the regular season, everyone's like, you know, I had a conversation with someone the other day where they went, you know, the, the players did buy into the 65 game thing. I'm like, yeah, except for they gamed it with, we're not going to try on mm-hmm. a lot of nights. We're just going to have way more games where there's blowouts at the beginning. Important regular season basketball games just feel gone. Yeah, we're like, diminishing I, I, the actual games over and over and over again. The games are mattering yeah, less and less. I, and I that don't, is an awful spot to be really in. really bad. More and more people are consuming games through highlights, which is fine. The NBA does incredibly well through social media, which of course it should, because they've got interesting personalities. They've got guys that are at the very peak of fashion, which we care about more now, I guess, than we ever have before. Um, It's an incredibly conducive highlight sport, but the actual games themselves, there's a lot of bad games. Oh, yeah. And... It's hard to sit through a lot of them. And players um, are are say are telling us we it. don't care. That's that's it. <laughs> can, I, can I throw All Star Game format at you guys? But hold on one sec. The All Star Game, like the idea that these guys get to need to get paid more. There's got to be some buy in from these guys that they are stewards of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what bothers me is that it's like Larry Bird comes out and says. I want to see you guys try harder. You got to try harder. And then the response is, "We are afraid of getting hurt." It's like. Are you guys kidding? Nobody wants to get hurt in an all-star game? Like, this isn't the Pro Bowl. No one's asking you to go hit somebody. They've had all-star game after all-star game where guys were trying, and I don't remember a single injury ever happening at them. These guys play summer runs where they play hard. It's a ridiculous argument. They're afraid to look and try and be measured against their peers in a game like that and not look better. And so it's a cool factor to me. That's what we're seeing, and it's, it's going to be hard to fix. I don't think money is going to fix it at all. Anyways, we got to go. We'll see you tomorrow.